Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are looking at a paper that is titled Risk Factors Episode Primary Uveitis in the UK and Proportion of Cases that Experience Recurrence Following This First Episode. And this is by Fernando uh, Malalana et al. And uveitis is a condition occurring in horses. It is essentially inflammation um, and a disease of the eye. So despite the fact that it is quite potentially severe in some cases, little is kind of understood of the disease and its causes. So it is characterized by recurrent episodes of moderate to severe ocular pain. So it's pain in the eye. And it is sometimes referred to as well as moon blindness. Moon blindness is where we have a recurrent case of uveitis. So in this paper, what they did was they looked at first instances of it occurring, and then they looked to see in what percentage of horses it reoccurs after that. Um, but it's quite an interesting topic. So it's that I haven't experienced myself firsthand, but Nancy, you had someone request this paper, I believe. Yes. Um, shout out to Charlotte for emailing us or messaging us on Facebook. And um, she was confused because she uh, was getting mixed signals as far as moon blindness versus uveitis. And um, she was under the assumption they were the same thing, but people were telling her um, that they were two different diseases. And actually, some of the horses can have just one initial episode of uveitis, which just means inflammation of the uveal tract within the eye. And that's usually um, the retina and um, Sometimes it can be more towards the back of the eye, but for the most part, the uvea is sandwiched between the outer layer, which we call the sclera, and the inner layer, which is the retina. So you do have posterior uveitis, which is more towards the flat part of the eye, which is in the rear, but we're only talking this in this paper about primary. So that would be... Um, the sclera, and then the middle section, the uvea, and then the retina. So anyway, um, it is the what you said, Kate, the recurrent version of uveitis that is often referred to as moon blindness. And it was called moon blindness because, um, number one, they felt like it looked like the moon in the eye. Um, back in the day. And then the second thing is um, they noticed the horse's night vision was somewhat affected. So um, that's where they came up with that term, moon blindness. 
And it's interesting that they divide equine recurring TBIs into three um, distinctive clinical forms. So we've got A, which is classic, B, insidious, is posterior. Classic equine recurrent uveitis is characterized by episodes of active intraocular inflammation, followed by periods of um, quiescence, which is basically like an inactivity or we'll have inflammation, then we'll have a period where the horse appears fine, the inflammation. But each period where the inflammation returns, it tends to return um, with increased severity. The second one then, insidious um, equine recurrent uveitis, is the form most commonly seen in the Appaloosa. So I thought that was interesting that it is, it can be seen in other breeds, but it is something that is quite specific to that breed. And that's characterized by a persistent low-grade inflammation. And it has very few external signs but it does have a destructive effect. Then the final one, which is the posterior uveitis, that affects mainly the vitreous, choroid, and retina. So these are the structures within the eye. And it is the most common form seen in warm bloods and in horses in continental Europe. So the breed definitely does play a role, um, but it also seems that environment links into it too. And part of this study was to assess whether, um, I suppose, fields that are more prone to flooding, if that has effect on horses developing uveitis. And one of the reasons why they thought that this is potentially a risk factor for developing it with the bacteria. So it's Leptospira, I believe it is, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's more common where we've got wetter and um, conditions yeah and that water just really gives it the environment that that bacteria it's a spirochet bacteria needs to survive and even after the flooding is over and that field's dried up still the if the horses are turned out um, they're still grazing they're still being exposed to it and so in this study the flooding may have occurred as, as far away as 12 months earlier, but the horses were never removed from that pasture. They were still turned out on it. And that's a, a concept that's been really prevalent in the U.S. that there is a lot of leptospirosis that appears to be an offset for this uveitis. And I think it has a lot to do with immune function as well, genetics, and then also um, the microbes that they're exposed to. So it might even be a combination. Yeah, it was quite interesting that they said that they compared it to an epidemic peak of human leptospirosis occurred when there was flooding in the Czech Republic. Yeah. So they were saying, you know, we see this in humans as well as in horses. Obviously, it's a disease that either can um, contract. Yeah, very, very good study. And this one is um, free access. And I'll put a link on the homepage as usual. But what's really neat is they did t- 
found 23 cases of initial primary uveitis. So the horses had never had it before. And then um, they did lose one case uh, to follow up. And then um, they, for each case, they had two controls. And don't you think, Kate, the control horses were either had been on flooded fields in the proximity of the same farm or they had owners long-term, or they were next to a pig farm, because those mm -hmm. were the three risk factors that were kind of conclusive on this paper. Now, I do believe the pig farm probably would have been the Leptospira um, parasite or bacteria that would probably have been the incidents here, because they did say farm animals tend to carry that. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting too is they found that horses, um, the longer the horses were with their owners, the mm -hmm. incidence of uveitis was lower, and they were theorizing that potentially this the horse may have one case of uveitis, and then the owner decides to sell it on, and. Um, and often they, you know, if there's no, when the horse goes to sale, if there's no signs of any problems, they might get away with not disclosing it. But I thought the level of stress in a horse must decrease with length of time and routine. So the longer a horse is with its owner, the lower its stress level is going to be. And we know that when the body's under stress, our immune system um, can become a bit more attacked and kind of, you know, we're more prone to getting sick. So exposure to this may already be present. And then when we add stress in on top of that, we're potentially just creating an in the chain of this inflammation of the eye. That's a good point, Kate. I never thought of that because um, it is definitely sometimes um, taxing on the immune system, that constant cortisol uh, release and being stressed and all that. But um, they had veterinarians examine the 23 horses, confirm the diagnosis, and then they also had a questionnaire that the owners filled out. So um, then they took and did Kate's favorite um, research oh, no. map. Linear. The <laughs> the multivariate logistic regression, regression analysis, yeah. <laughs> Kate's favorite, and uh, they carried out to identify those associations between horse and management level variables and the risk of uveitis. So um, each case that was confirmed was then followed, um, the and they recorded the rate of reoccurrence versus just having an initial episode. And then they also could follow uh, what the risk factors appeared to be. And um, I thought it was interesting what they came up with. Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating. And as a side note, if you're someone who's into statistics, you're probably <laughs> listening and thinking, but that's so easy. But I can tell you, as someone who had no experience in statistics, those regression tests put me through the ringer during my master's. Um, so, yeah, definitely in future research, it's something that I'm highly aware of, well, whether or not I'm going to have to carry out those kinds of tests again, because 
they're oh they're complicated well i always think of you when i read that i always oh, think it was a love-hate relationship <laughs> well in the the primary uveitis cases um, the conditions the vets were looking for was ocular pain, swollen eyelids, tearing, um, light sensitivity where you just see they're squinting the eye all the time and tears are running out. And then the vet could check corneal changes. And then they also could check certain internal um issues within the eye and that's how they confirmed it now the control horses were not able to have any ocular problems or changes they were thrown out if it looked like they had even a minimal amount of scarring or maybe had uveitis at one point so i thought it was set up pretty good i mean it's a small sample size and we always say there needs to be more research done with larger numbers. But I think the key is that the horses who lost their eye were not given initial treatment a lot of times or the treatments were not fulfilled. So they quit early on the treatments or um, maybe they tried to treat it, you know, the owners tried to treat it themselves in the beginning, and I always tell people, just because you have a tube of eye ointment doesn't mean you use it at the first sign because a lot of times there's steroids in there that can ulcerate the eye. So you have to let a vet examine that horse's eye to determine what type of treatment because for every little eye dysfunction, let's say, there's a different treatment and there might be a different go-to drug. Yeah, and I think it's important to note as well with it that when it comes to eye injuries, particularly in equine, it can be complicated to actually carry out the treatment. And it does take a huge amount of work on the owner's behalf because having had a horse that had an eye injury in the past and I living in the UK at the time. So I was relying on um, family to treat. It's very difficult, especially in our case, she was out like on the side of a hill in Connemara. So catching her each day, we didn't have the option stabler at the time, which also to this kind of stressful to be put into a stable situation when she's her whole life been out to pasture. Um, so at 20 years old to now be confined to a stable is quite hard. But yeah. it's something that you cannot stop just because you see an improvement. Um, and it can be easy to stop because your situation may be very difficult and you may be having to go above and beyond to do the treatments. You see the improvement and you think, okay, we're done. But you must carry out that full treatment to the end because they mention in this too that that's potentially where people think it's a recurrent uveitis, when in fact it's the primary one. It just wasn't treated to completion and it flares up again. Yeah, yep, that's true. I mean, eye injuries, um, sometimes we get such heat here and the horses sweat and the sweat runs into their eyes and there's flies and um, you'll see a little um, eyelid 
swelling, but you can pretty much determine just by, you know, taking a saline solution and washing the eye, you'll see immediate relief, like within a, mm -hmm. a couple hours. If, you know, otherwise, um, you know, don't mess around with eye injuries that they can be so catastrophic and they are hard to, to deal with, Kate, I agree. We get a lot of uh, racehorses that get hit in the eye with a dirt clod on the track. Oh, yeah. It's so important to be able to treat that because if you don't get it treated and get the right medication, it may be you know, or become a secondary uveitis, which sets up that whole downward spiral for that eye. And I thought it was really interesting that they um, talked about that um, the uveal tract is the source of blood flow to the ocular tissues. So um, it's it's kind of like um, when you mess up that circulation, and I've seen uveitis cases where they've had to remove the eye and that eye gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the horse continues to have pain and mm -hmm. um, discharge. And eventually they remove that eye. And, um, you know, now I know why it's the main source of the fluid uh, getting to the eye. And without that, it does just kind of shrivel up. And eye injuries are incredibly painful. Yeah. Um, I think it's sometimes underestimated how excruciatingly painful they are. And, you know, we know a lot of the time horses will hide that. So we're not going to see the full degree. Um, if you do have any concerns at all, always get your vet out straight away to check. As Nancy said, with this study, it was a small group. So we we'll read the results with a bit of caution, I guess, because we would need further research and bigger studies to confirm all of these results. And that does happen from time to time with some of the papers we cover. But what I thought was interesting in this study is that they said neither administration of any recent medication nor vaccination was shown to increase the risk of primary viruses in horses. Whereas in the past, um, some other studies thought that vaccination may have an effect. So it was nice to see that this study said it doesn't because we know how important it is to keep our horses vaccinated and up to date. Yeah, absolutely. And then also a good news is that 59.1 or let's just say 60% recovered with proper treatment and had no recurrent uh, uveitis in the four years they were followed. So this study actually went from um, July 2014 through August 2018. So we don't know what happened after that, but at least for four years, 60% um, didn't have recurrent. So I thought that was good news. Yes, definitely very positive if your horse does happen to have this condition. Yeah, and I think it was 18.2% did have reoccurrence, and then 23% uh, did have to have surgery for that eye removal. So um, anyway, um, very, very complicated to treat the eye. I would recommend, um, you know, 
call your vet. It would be better to pay a vet visit than to chance having your horse lose the eye. And then also, um, you know, sometimes you can't help it. Even the best of care, you can't recover the use of that eye, but at least you've got um, proper personnel kind of overseeing that for the comfort of the horse. And they state it as well in the four horses did have it reoccur. It occurred three months after the initial episode. So yeah. that perhaps suggests that the first three months following the original episode are a critical time and very close monitoring is warranted and potentially continued anti-inflammatory therapy, though your vet will have to decide that specifically for your horse and because there can obviously be side effects to using ongoing anti-inflammatories. So definitely worth keeping a close eye on it. And like the pun just hit me as I was saying that. But <laughs> keeping keeping a you know watch of the horse afterwards in those months, because the minute you see any kind of flare up or discomfort, and we've discussed blink rate in horses before and how important blink rate is to determining if horses are in pain. So um just seeing, you know, how often they're blinking per minute. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what was normal. Um, but that was research that was carried out by Richard Moe, um, Mott. And that's one of our episodes. And we actually had Richard on for an interview in one of the episodes as well. So it's really interesting. Yeah, and he even talks about cortisol and the uh, stress levels and all that, which we know affects the immune response in our horses. And then I also wanted to add to that, Kate, that's all great points, um, that they did not consider it a reoccurrence in this study unless it had occurred six weeks after the treatment had concluded. So um, that's a good point too, that, you know, they... They did not just say, uh oh, it's it's back again. They actually concluded treatment. Six weeks went by. Boom, if it came up again, they considered it a, a reoccurrence. So, yeah, I think that was all the main points in this paper. But it was really interesting, really well carried out and something to definitely um just kind of keep in the back of our minds going forwards because I think I things you know they can they can potentially be I suppose not taken as seriously as they should be in the very beginning so it's a great episode to do just to kind of make that aware you know of how serious it can get and unfortunately some horses do have to lose their eye but it's always better to obviously put the horse's welfare first. Um, and if this ongoing treatment isn't working and it's not sustainable and the horse is in ongoing pain, then that is surgery is the route that we have to take in those cases. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, the great study, easy to read. You learn a lot from it. And then um, also I'll put the link. It's a free access this week. So uh, thank you, Charlotte, for your email. And keep sending those in, guys, because you're giving us good research to look up. And we appreciate that. Definitely. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you again next week, Nancy. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Bye-bye.
Take care.